Are you a hybrid athlete who wants to learn more about how to combine your strength and endurance training? Well, I've written a new book, The Science of Hybrid Training. In this book, I provide insight into the misconceptions surrounding strength and endurance training by distilling the past 50 years of research and drawing on the conversations I had with great scientists, coaches, and athletes on the Progress Theory podcast. This book is essential reading for hybrid athletes and coaches who are looking to understand the key training variables and their effect on the simultaneous development of strength and endurance performance. Get your copy now, available to buy from Amazon. Now, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to The Progress Theory, where we discuss how to implement scientific principles for optimising human performance. My name is Dr. Phil Price, and we are back for Season 5. And this time, we're doing things just a little bit different. For the past two seasons, we've had podcast episodes with some of the best athletes, coaches and scientists in their respective fields, providing amazing overviews in their areas of expertise, each providing practical messages which we can implement into our own training or our daily lifestyle. For example, we've had awesome discussions around the physical preparation of youth athletes, ballet dancers and MMA fighters, and we've had up-to-date scientific info on different training and recovery methods from blood flow restriction training, compression garments, and how to train in a hot environment. And we've also had incredible athletes who are looking to complete crazy physical challenges such as the Marathon de Sable, rowing the Atlantic, and becoming a world record holder for being the youngest athlete to conquer all 8,000 meter plus mountains. All incredible episodes, and I recommend anyone listening to make sure you go back and revisit them or listen to them for the first time. However, it was the last episode with SNC coach Johnny Payne, and it got me thinking. That episode was all about hybrid training and how to balance training for both strength and endurance simultaneously. It reminded me of season two of The Progress Theory, where SNC coach Dowell Green and I trained for 11 weeks to improve the strength exercises of our choice and trained for a marathon, culminating on a day just before Christmas where we lifted in the morning and ran the marathon in the afternoon. And for more info, go back and check out season two of The Progress Theory. Despite an injury to my calf, it was a successful challenge and really got me curious. I wanted to know more about hybrid training. How does the body respond when training for both disciplines? What is this dreaded interference effect? Did it actually exist? Because I was seeing all of the amazing achievements happening in the world of CrossFit, functional fitness, and athletes like Fergus Crawley and Hunter McIntyre. There was definitely more to this than what was currently known in the general training space. And I wanted to delve into the literature and speak with more amazing athletes, coaches and scientists to see if our preconceived notions around training for strength and endurance were wrong. And that with the right training, just like we did in season two, we can push the human body further than we thought was possible. Before we get into the new episode of season five, I wanted to provide an overview of the history around training for strength and endurance simultaneously so we can start to understand why it was originally perceived that they could not coexist. Well, it seemed to have originated from the work of Professor Robert Hickson. He was a powerlifter and a new researcher at the time doing his postdoctoral work in the research lab under Professor John Holosi. In order to impress his new superior, he decided to join Professor Halosi on his afternoon runs. 
And what he noticed after a while was that his muscle mass and strength were decreasing despite maintaining his powerlifting training. He suggested that adding this afternoon run to his training was the cause of his decline in strength and size, prompting Professor Halosi to suggest that it should be the first topic of investigation once he had his own lab. And that is exactly what he did. In 1980, Professor Hickson released the seminal work on strength and endurance training in the European Journal of Applied Physiology and Occupational Physiology, titled Interference of Strength Development by Simultaneously Training for Strength and Endurance. In this study, he had three exercise groups. One was a strength group who only did strength training five times a week for 30 to 40 minutes per day. He had an endurance group who only did endurance training six times a week for 30 to 40 minutes per day. And he also had a combined group who did the same strength and endurance training as the other two groups, i.e. they combined. They did five strength sessions and six endurance sessions. After 10 weeks of training, Professor Hickson found that both the endurance and combined groups improved in VO2 max, the measure of the maximum amount of oxygen your body can utilize during exercise, but the strength group did not, which is no surprise as the strength group did no endurance training. But the interesting finding came from measuring leg strength. As you'd expect, the strength group increased leg strength and the endurance group didn't. But in the combined group, leg strength increased just like the strength group up until week seven, where leg strength plateaued and then started to decrease. Professor Hickson concluded that when training strength and endurance simultaneously, strength will increase initially, but the concurrent endurance training will eventually interfere with the physiological processes which increase strength and result in strength declining. Here the term interference effect was born and follow-up studies focus on trying to find out what causes it. Now, there are many potential causes of the interference effect, ranging from molecular, neuromuscular, and the acute and chronic accumulation of fatigue, all of which will be discussed in this upcoming season. However, I have some issues with the methodology of this original research, which I believe may have influenced our ideas and perception surrounding the interference effect, and may have limited our training ideas and stopped us seeing how strong and cardiovascularly fit the human body can be. First, we need to review the type of training the groups in the Professor Hickson study were doing. In the endurance group, athletes performed bike intervals at a work rate approaching VO2 max, so pretty intense, three times a week, and a 35 to 40 minute run three times a week on alternate days, where the athletes were instructed to run as fast and as far as possible. For the strength group, The program consisted of barbell squats, leg presses, leg extensions, and curls, deadlifts, and calf raises, quite standard, where the athletes were instructed to use as heavy weight as possible for the given sets and reps. At a first glance, all of these sessions sound very intense. Progression comes from getting strong and fitter over time rather than manipulating training variables to progress the athlete over time, which you probably would think would be the best thing to do especially from what we know now. Over the 10 weeks, this approach may have been fine, hence why each of these groups improved their endurance and strength respectively. But if the program was to go on any longer, say 
20 weeks. It is possible that these athletes would begin to plateau, especially if they try to maintain that intensity any longer. However, if you try to do both of these programs at the same time, it didn't like in the combined group, this plateau or decline in performance will surely occur earlier because you're trying to fit in double the amount of high intensity work in the same amount of time without trying to alter the training program to allow for any recovery. Well, and it did. The start of the decline started around week seven. And this makes sense, as from our knowledge about training now, if you push too intensely too often in any training program, you're likely to eventually see diminishing returns. This critique introduces the key question. Did strength improvements stop and start to decline because the inclusion of endurance training interfered with the strength adaptations? Or did strength start to decline because the combined training program didn't account for the large increase in volume of training and didn't allow for any changes in training program variables such as session and intensity and running volume which could have been done to ensure the athlete wasn't burning the candle at both ends during their training did poor programming cause the interference effect not that the interference effect will always occur and affect our strength and endurance performance This critique isn't me saying the Professor Hickson study is bad. On the contrary, it was the start of this line of scientific inquiry, which has progressed in different ways since the 80s. But it's also important to know that science progresses by critiquing what science has done before and finding new questions, rather than just reading the results and agreeing with them. For instance, the results of the study led to a lot of research focus on trying to find out what the interference effect is. It is only over the last 10 years that researchers have begun to question just how important the interference effect is by suggesting that with appropriate programming and training, we can actually minimize its effect. From this, I think it is now appropriate to define some terms. You may have heard of concurrent training. This refers to training strength and endurance simultaneously, but the athlete is training one to help performance in the other. For example, there is a huge amount of research supporting the use of strength training for improving running performance, rowing performance, and other endurance sports. Similarly, there is some work that having an anaerobic base can help strength performance, which has encouraged powerlifters not to neglect aerobic training during parts of the training year. In concurrent training, one form of training is used to supplement their main training. Long-distance runners aren't looking to lift huge numbers in the squat, but including strength training can help improve certain determinants of running performance, such as running economy. Another term you may have heard is hybrid training. The term was popularized by the excellent book The Hybrid Athlete by coach and hybrid athlete himself, Alex Viada of Complete Human Performance. In hybrid training, you are looking to increase performance in strength and endurance simultaneously. For example, you may look to increase strength in your 1RM back squat while simultaneously trying to improve your 10K time trial performance. And it is hybrid training I want to know more about. I want to investigate how we can optimally progress both strength and endurance simultaneously. How does the body react to this type of training and what can we do to optimize hybrid performance? In season five, I will be diving into the research, speaking to experts in the field, including scientists, coaches, and athletes, to try and understand how this training works. Season five is my research and the conversations I had in preparation for a brand new book I'm writing on the science of hybrid training. And I can't wait for everyone to read it. 
The aim is that this book and this season of The Progress Theory help us progress this scientific field of hybrid training. And the best way to do that is for everyone to test these ideas out through their own training and programming. So keep your eyes peeled. It's coming in 2022. And check out my personal Instagram account at Dr. Phil Price, where I'll be putting these ideas to the test with my own training. So let's get season five off to a start. In today's episode, we are joined by SNC coach, hybrid athlete, and co-host of season two of The Progress Theory, who also took part in the concurrent training challenge in 2020 as part of season two. It's Dowell Green. Here, we will go over what we learned from training for strength and a marathon simultaneously, our 2022 hybrid goals, and Dowell's programming tips for making 2022 your year of the hybrid athlete. But before we get into the episode, I just want to tell you a little bit about our sponsors because without them, this podcast would not be possible. I want to take a moment to express my gratitude to my production partner, Cult Media. Cult Media has been instrumental in the development and success of The Progress Theory. They have created brand guides, comprehensive podcast strategies, enhanced the podcast production, developed custom workflows for me, and edited and mixed all of the video, audio, and social media content. Cult Media's simple coach, create, and collaborate process has saved me hundreds of hours in podcast production, resolved countless technical issues, and consistently helped me to improve my podcasting game. So if you want to establish and engage your audience or are ready to launch your own podcast, head to www.cult.media, that's cult with a K, to learn more. Also, thank you to Human24, fueling human potential and optimizing everyday human performance and well-being. The supplement range at Human24 not only helps improve your lifestyle, it optimizes it. The Human24 products are designed to fit around your circadian rhythms from the moment you wake up to key moments in the day when you need optimal focus to getting the best night's sleep. There is a product to optimize each phase of the day. My personal favorite is the Live On Form Pack, consisting of the products Rise, Flow, and Pre-Sleep. Rise is for the morning, and it's my absolute favorite. It's a drink that tastes amazing, it hydrates me, and improves my focus to win the morning. At 2 p.m., I take Flow, which is a caffeine-free nootropic, perfect for improving alertness and concentration during that mid-afternoon slump. And finally, I take pre-sleep just before bed, which is a comprehensive nighttime complex, perfect to support a performance-driven lifestyle. Check out the website www.hmn24.com for all their products, articles, and links to their awesome podcast for those wanting to learn more about human performance. You can even check out the episode I did with them. I thoroughly enjoyed my chat with Phil Lerney, co-founder of Human24, and it has led to an awesome collaboration with Human24 supporting the progress theory. If you want a 10% discount on all Human24 products, head to their website via the links in our Instagram bios of the progress theory or my personal Instagram account at Dr. Phil Price, or use the code PhilPrice at checkout. As always, Follow The Progress Theory on Instagram and YouTube. Head to our website, theprogresstheory.com and check out all of our other episodes. Here is Daryl Green. Daryl, how are we? Welcome to season five of The Progress Theory. Hey Phil, yeah, I'm all good, thanks. Thanks for having me on again. 
Oh, not a problem. Seems the best thing to do to start season five because it's all about concurrent hybrid training to actually review what we did in season two, which we did our concurrent training challenge where we chose our exercises for strength and we tried to improve our strength in those exercises over the 11 weeks while also training for a marathon, which we did on the 19th of December, where in the morning we did the strength lifts, like a powerlifting meet, wasn't it? Uh, it was me, you and Chris. Yeah. And then in the afternoon, we did that horrendous marathon because literally the elements were against us. Yeah, I remember that day quite well. I never thought the weather we had in December would have hit us all on one day. No, it was, we had all four seasons in one day. Yeah, it was completely unfair, wasn't it? If you think about it. Because there was a lot of things that was affecting it. Not only did we have hail that was literally going sideways into your face, but we had a variety of different weathers, hail, thunderstorms, complete sun, rainbows. Uh, and then halfway through the race, wasn't it? We heard, because it was 2020, we heard that we were going into a second lockdown and we weren't going to be able to see our families. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah that was probably the thing that impressed me most because it would have been so easy just to give up that marathon hearing news like that hearing news i wouldn't have been able to see my parents over christmas because we were all going into lockdown but now we, we stuck at it and got it done yeah fa- thankfully i didn't get that news until the end because maybe emotion and a bit of a reaction would have come out of me <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're you're good at putting the blinders on during the endurance exercise and just now nah, don't talk to me you've got to get this done Whereas I'm probably, yeah. I was limping around, wasn't I? Because I'd hurt my calf on yeah. <laughs> kilometer two and was just kind of limping through the marathon. So th- there was plenty of time for me to hear that horrible news. But uh... <laughs> So do you, want to, do you want to reflect on the scores you got during that concurrent training challenge? Yeah, so my lift for the challenge was a snatch. Yours was, yours was slightly different. So it was to test my snatch and... My lift of that day was 116.5 kilograms. And the marathon was just under four hours of three hours, 59 minutes. I can't remember the seconds exactly, but I know it was 3.59. So we set out a goal to be a sub four. And yeah, I managed it well enough to, to do that. And during that, the snatch was actually a lifetime best at that time. Nice. So whilst training for a marathon, I still managed to carry out a lifetime best for the weightlifter snatch what was uh, the increase in the snatch like how how many kilos did you increase by it was only 1.5 kilogram lifetime best and i actually pb during the training to i hit a 116 a few weeks before we actually tested it on the day so i had already almost proved what we set out to prove that you can get strong and you can run long or carry out an endurance task simultaneously like we've done. And I think that you, you are very similar on some of your stuff. So we did, we achieved what we set out to do. Yeah. I mean, my, my aim was the four-hour marathon as well. And that's what I had aimed at with the training. But uh, with my calf going <laughs> during the first, it was the second kilometre, I remember it. That kind of went out the window. It was all about just getting it done. But I also did improve all of my strength lifts from varied degrees. I chose the uh, was front squat, deadlift, uh, weighted pull and the strict press, wasn't it? So I'd improved yeah. all of those in some fashion between like from like one kilo up until like 10, 12 kilos. Based on obviously yours was much more successful than mine. What was the biggest learning points from that concurrent training challenge? What about the programming 
did you learn most from uh, and that you've taken away into your hybrid training going forward? For those that don't know, on the run-up or haven't listened to the season two yet, the on the run-up to this, after me and, after me and Phil spoke about doing this challenge, I'd only, I'd only just completed an ultra-marathon, a 50-kilometre ultra-marathon. So one of the biggest points I knew then was, well, running or the, the endurance side, I'm kind of, I'm already there. I'm fairly strong at that. That can kind of have a only slightly lower priority than the weightlifting. I say only slightly, so I didn't lose it completely and go go the opposite way where weightlifting then become a strength and then endurance drops. It was just enough to manage what I'd already trained for on the ultra, but whilst building the my my weightlifting up and my strength up to be successful on the snatch. So the biggest learning point is definitely not to pro for me, wasn't to prioritise any. It's just like an equaliser, almost. You're just turning up one to slightly more than the other based on, I guess, training history, what you've just done, if you've if you've had any experience in what type of concurrent or hybrid goal you have, if any. It might just be you just want to be good at a fairly good all-rounder, so to speak. And then it wasn't to change too much. I know... I needed to snatch, so I needed to be fairly good at snatching and I needed to have fairly strong legs and a good pull. I didn't need to put too much, call it accessory work, into into the training. So it's almost knowing what is essential towards that goal at that time and only having that and not just adding in stuff. We were speaking before this, like the stuff just to make you feel good, kind of like think about the goal and what you're doing and yeah, cut cut the unnecessary work that potentially can cause unnecessary fatigue and then cause you to not be successful in the goals. So regarding the equaliser, I'm assuming you mean from, okay, say we've got six days a week worth of training, one session each day, three of them are strength and three of them are endurance and say that's a 50-50 split. Mm -hmm. Because you had all of that training in the ultramarathon prior to that, your endurance side was probably better off than the strength side or the weightlifting side so because of that you then worked on worked on your weaknesses i said in inverted commas yeah but you prioritized strength because you already had prioritized endurance work prior to the 11 weeks leading up to this event so if we say we had a 50 50 split did you sort of reduce it by sort of like a 60 40 split or a 70 30 split what what kind of yeah. Uh, change do you like to make? Do you still like to keep it relatively equal, but you just move the dial slightly on one side when you want to try and focus on one particular aspect? Yeah, so just move the dial slightly, really. I only did two endurance days or, or days where I ran, and the other days were lifting, two of them pro- primarily snatching. And the other one, I I did clean and jerk, or, or some kind of clean on that day. And that day never changed. That third day of strength never changed for me. I just kept that the same the whole way through. Maybe I slightly progressed it in loads, but it, it almost really stayed the same. It was something that I didn't want to... It was almost like a control because I was progressing on the other four days. I didn't want to then chuck in a fifth day where I was going to continue progressing, accumulating fatigue and, and so on. So it was almost taking note of that day actually how I'm feeling from 
progressing the snatch days, the the interval or threshold day that I had, and then I would finish off the week with a long longer run all the time. So, how do you know if you're accumulating? residual fatigue or too much fatigue there's always going to be some level of fatigue that you're managing over the training week or over the the weeks but how do you determine like oh i'm not going to include that that is sort of junk training it won't actually improve what i want to improve i want to make sure i'm only including the essentials in this program people will talk about training fatigue and and that when essentially we're only spending 60 minutes to 90 minutes a day in that. And I get your muscles are going to be tired. There's, there's going to be some kind of damage. But the 23 and a half to 20, uh, the 22 and a half to 23 hours outside of the gym is is also, well, it's a, it's a greater time to accumulate fatigue, whether that's through lack of sleep. Your day job might be quite physical. I would also like, like look at stuff like that at the same time. But when it comes to the training, I'd, yeah, more trial and error. Have you got an example where you feel like you've included too much and you've decided to drop it down? The day we tested, remember the first test at the 11 weeks, and I, I did say to you, mm. I'm going to go out for a long run the next day just to see where I'm at because we, we never tested the marathon on the run up to this. Instantly, like knew that even on the run, it's like I'm not, so maybe that's not an example of me pulling training back, but it's it was a a very good assessment at what I needed to to put in there moving forward. Not intentional assessment. It was just my back was blowing up. Whether that was from the day testing, I I, I don't know. So pairing the the lifting day and then a long run after, I knew that well I'm going to have to take this a little bit slower than I was expecting, and hence. That was the reason why I put almost that control day before my longest run. So I would snatch on the Monday, intervals of some sort on the Tuesday running, snatch on the Wednesday, Thursday off. Friday would be that clean like day that never really changed. Well, it really didn't change at all. And then I would do the long run the next day. So maybe that was that's an example of me managing that that fatigue for that long run. So you realise that placing sort of like heavy lifting work and then having one of the long slow zone two type endurance training sessions you couldn't have that 24 hours later because of how you felt so you've reorganized your training week to have well i guess based on what you described you had a lower intensity weight resistance training day on the saturday or the friday it was the friday uh, yeah. before your long slow aerobic work on the saturday you decided you know you you had a snatch day on the wednesday and then you've got two days in between before you do your long zone two work so you'd like to yeah. think that based on how you were feeling you rearranged the week so that you'd be recovered to be able to do that long zone two work from the wednesday snatching yeah exactly that's that's exactly um what i did it wasn't so much that the yeah i guess intensity in load wise on that Friday it was still a fairly challenging session but nowhere near to what I'd experienced on Monday lifting and Tuesday say intervals day training had shuffled as the weeks went on and when we got closer to our final week I hadn't accumulated fatigue in the in the week running up to our Saturday test day so I guess it was almost a guess yeah this snatch is going to be all right and then Four hours later, I was able to run a marathon and just yeah get through it. 
and and finish it partly for training, partly mental resilience, I guess you could call it, but felt pretty comfortable throughout it. So, so what are your hybrid goals for 2022? On the on the year we did that test, I had actually signed up for Ironman Ireland 2021. Um, so I was supposed to do that last year. That has actually been postponed to this year. So yeah, so I'm going to do first Ironman, probably going to be my first triathlon too. I want to keep some fairly good bottom numbers on Olympic weightlifting at the same time. I've, I've marked some numbers down. I want to maintain a 100 kilo snatch and a 130 kilo clean and jerk whilst doing the Ironman. And I am going to test them close. So it won't be the same day like we've done. Nice. But it will definitely be, with, it will definitely be the same week. So you can maintain, well, you could set up your training so that the week before the Ironman, okay, I know I need to do a 100 kilo snatch and a 130 kilo clean and jerk do that on the Monday. I know I've maintained a certain level of strength and because you're going to be pretty fatigued by that point. And so you do have to really manage your resistance <clears> work to make sure that that doesn't completely throw off all the the endurance work that you've done putting in for the Ironman. So it's, yeah, it's not as simple as, oh, okay, let's just keep them separate by a week. That's, you know, it's taking into account everything that you do <laughs> leading up to the Ironman event. Yeah, of course. It's this whole training period that I've got for the next six to eight months managing that. And it's I'm just going to use the same lessons from the last one. My weightlifting is a lot better currently, I would say, than what it was the time we done our concurrent challenge. Like I have since PB'd my snatch. It was only a, a month or two ago that I done a 130 clean and jerk. feel like I'd definitely be capable of more at the moment. Whether that's going to drop down, I, I can almost predict that it's going to slightly just purely from the training volume i don't have a time for the ironman 12 to 13 hours is a good one to aim for i wouldn't i don't i've not really looked at that too much or just just getting stuck into the 12 would be pretty good yeah that's you know for someone that's new to ironman and technically a heavier athlete that would be a pretty good time 12 yeah between 12 and 13 I'm, I'm happy with that so yeah that's my biggest goal so far this year just in and amongst that there'll be other little things that I'll do like we got High Rocks London coming up you're going for the you're going for the pro again yeah yeah managed to get men's pro get tickets for the pro oh and I mean I'm not this is it's kind of where I'm at with training and competition and all that stuff I, I want to still enjoy the everything that I'm doing and if that means one weekend I go up to London with all the lads and we do an hour of fitness together, maybe an hour and 20 minutes, and then grab some food after, have a beer, then then I will. And I've had the time where it's been my life's been dedicated on competing and it's kind of, I just want to just be in the thick of kind of everything. So it's about finding a nice balance between achieving good hybrid goals, but at the same time having a good sort of, let's say training life balance where training isn't the number one focus in your life there are other things that you might want to do so you put a little bit more focus in those it's a balancing act hybrid training is a balancing act and then you've got to do the same thing with your work-life balance anyway so it's just finding a way of managing everything yeah and I, i find that more that's kind of what hybrid kind of means to me it's not just the like we have these big goals i have this big goal i'm an 
weightlifting numbers that I want to hit when essentially it's just being relatively strong or slightly above average and being able to go long and or for a, a, a sustained period of time. Be strong and go long. Yeah, yeah. You could. We need to, we need to put on a t-shirt. Well, you know what you're going to wear at High Rocks then. Be strong and go <laughs> long. Based with that philosophy, that hybrid philosophy, what do you think are the common mistakes a lot of people make when training for hybrid goals? Having a different approach with the the, the equaliser type thing that I mentioned at the start is is just like, I want to run a marathon, right? find a marathon program, want to deadlift 200 kilos, find a powerlifting program. Yeah, we just stick that on top of each other. I'll deadlift and then I'll run. You know, that that I find is definitely the the biggest mistake. It just trying to we can search these programs all day long on, on the internet and books. They are designed for the power lifter or the marathon runner. And the sheer volume of both of those are just gonna end up taking their toll after four weeks in. And you may see improvements at the beginning or you may get injured, who knows, but it's definitely going to accumulate far too much fatigue just from sheer volume of of it both. They're designed to do one or or the other. Yeah, I see that problem as well. And another problem I often see is that people will get the two separate programs and they may not just add them together, but they might go, okay, I'll do 50% of one, I'll do 50% of the other, and then I'll add them together. Yeah. Which I can understand that. Like, at least you're reducing the volume. You have an understanding that, okay, if I do too much, the accumulative fatigue of that is just going to be ridiculous and I'm going to hit a wall like four to six weeks in this. But I think what they miss is just the discussion around how you could probably have a sit down and really understand, okay, if I'm going to train for these at the same time, what are the key things I need to be good at to be good at these sports? And this isn't necessarily like I want to hit these certain goals. It's like, well, what physiological and biomechanical adaptations do I need to get better here? And then if you've got everything from like a marathon and a powerlifting program, okay, which of those programs will help develop this physiological adaptation which will help develop this physical ad- physiological adaptation. And then you start to eliminate things that way because you might have one session which trains certain things to the, in powerlifting to the point where you might not need session two and three because you're getting that load or that stimuli from something else provided by the marathon. I don't know why it might be, but that type of thinking. And then all of a sudden you have something that's, not just a powerlifting and marathon program, it's clearly a hybrid type programming. You're trying to understand the exact stress that you need to improve or develop the physiological adaptation to get better at two separate domains. And yeah, I think that's a really important message to try and get out there. So just so people don't grab two things okay it's okay i'm i'm you know i'm not going to just add them together I'm, I'm taking some sessions away so actually when you go through that process of trying to eliminate things in the program you know have a real critical eye as to like what are the physiological adaptations that you need to have yeah completely and there there probably will be some crossover like you said that what is in the powerlifting program will complement your running and it might already be in that running program you're, you're looking at so 
yeah, it's it's like that that cut in the unnecessary stuff or the duplicated stuff almost might might not seem duplicated, but what you're going to get from like that adaptation wise could be very similar, and you wouldn't need to do do it from both programs. Get rid of that junk volume. Yeah, yeah. So well, you're already training it at this point during this part of the the training week so you don't need to include that on this day as well in fact doing double actually makes you worse rather than actually makes you better another one is is kind of that awareness of that fatigue i would say maybe it's just bit yeah just it might not be as easy for everyone it depends how long you've been training it depends how in tune you are with yourself i I imagine but almost right in a session giving giving every session a little bit of feedback personally in a book or or on your app that you use if you're getting getting it programmed by a coach although all those little things can just help like monitor that monitor that whether it's like a out you simple rpe per session how did it feel you know, mm. this this was an eight out of ten i mean or or it was less or or it was well above whatever mm. yeah. no certainly i think that's something i want to really investigate in this season is trying to understand around utilizing something subjective to try and provide some direction when it comes to intensity and I guess in turn some volume in ter- uh, based on how you're programming. Definitely had some conversations recently regarding how even if you are monitoring session RPE or ratings of perceived exertion out of 10 like you kind of described but you're not necessarily making loads of auto-regulated changes at first. You're trying to build a bit of a profile. So Say you don't make any changes and you've monitored each session. It's given a mark out of 10 for like a session RPE. And you look back on six weeks worth of data. And then all of a sudden you can see, okay, I can really start to see if I have these two sessions relatively near to each other. There's a bit of a problem. I'm clearly not recovering well enough after this session. And it's really affecting the um, RPE of the following session. I wanted the RPE of that session to be this but it's much higher, likely because of what's come before. And then all of a sudden you start to get a bit of an idea as to how you deal with residual fatigue. You've got a blueprint. I mean, six weeks isn't much, but it's it's better than nothing. It's giving you some, it's leaving clues as to how you respond to stress from training. So now I am, yeah, definitely with you there with the session RPEs. I think they're going to be quite big within the uh, hybrid training space, just like they are in other sports. Yeah, I totally agree. I really do. And this it, is a little bit shies away a little bit from that, but just that I think you shared, I think you shared something about this recently is about the kind of moderate way all, all the way through it instead of just trying to, Mm. I mean, underestimating what you can achieve in 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 a greater period of time, and overestimating what you can achieve in a week. Some people will they want to kind of get better every week, and sometimes that just won't happen. So I guess having a bit of discipline with yourself when training, and my advice is leave a little bit, leave the session knowing that there was a little bit more in there than attempting to try and do better just because you know it feels good i'm just having a bit of discipline there yeah that's a good principle to kind of follow because ultimately if you think about how we we want to progress slowly over time it's easy to aggressively progress quite quickly within the first eight weeks but quite often that just hits a peak and then drops right down it doesn't show good solid progression over a year for example and so many people think oh I can so I should 
and they don't necessarily need to. Um, and it's, this is particularly important for hybrid training because you're trying to balance two training modalities that are very different to each other. So the progression is going to be much slower already anyway because you're not purely training for strength. You're not purely training for endurance. So because there's competing things there, your progression is going to be slower because there is going to be some level of interference effect. But that still doesn't mean you're not improving, but you shouldn't then program to assume that you're going to improve at a greater rate than you think you should. <laughs> Have yeah. I said that right? Oh, there might be- no, yeah, definitely. And it's don't always measure your improvement on a specific number or a specific pace you're running at or cycling at or whatever. Measure it against that RPE that we just mentioned. Well, last week, I lifted the same way as I have this week, but the session RPE was a lot lower. Well, potentially, you have got stronger or you've got fitter. Or just knowing yourself, well, I definitely could have moved a little bit more weight there or I definitely had another interval in me if you put a a cap on the intervals or, or something like that. Instead of actually doing it, measure the improvement by the feeling that you know you could have and then save it for the time that mm. you do the test or, or whatever it is you're doing, the challenge or or even the event. Base it all on those reps in the tank or feeling in the tank, whatever yeah. it might be, however you're gauging it. Mate, Daryl, that was awesome. But I want to go through, just before we finish, you offer some training templates, is that right? Through DG Coaching. Yes, yeah, so I do individual coaching is is my main thing online uh, in uh, remote. And I also, I do have some general generic programs actually called The General. And that's based on being strong and going long, we could call it. And that is that is through my, you'll, you'll find that on my platforms. So What are they on, on Instagram? What's so that? Instagram's DG Performance Coaching or on my website is dgcoaching.co.uk. They're, they're the main two that I, I use or, or respond to. You can give me a message if you've got any questions or email me, which you'll find on my website. Wicked. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, we'll definitely keep everyone updated based on your training. Uh, and definitely recommend everyone to go check out Daryl's Instagram so you can see his progression with training. And I think I might pop up on it. I need to start getting some points during the year where I'll be sort of retesting my sort of weightlifting because that's going to be a particular focus of mine this year, snatch and clean and jerk, purely because of the terrible history I've had with that sport. And it's my chance to have a bit of redemption. So uh, maybe I'll have to convene on when you're... Yeah doing the retest before you're Ironman and go for it. Completely, mate. I'll be looking forward to even just get some training in together, mate. Um, really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, nice, mate. Putting the miles. Yeah. And obviously, High Rocks. We'll be there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That'd be fun. Round two. Cool, mate. I'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Take care.